0: Thank you for tuning in to the London Fashion Week edition of the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host for the podcast, Sophia Zaglinska, international fashion reporter at Glossy. And today I sit down with the founder of a young London Fashion Week brand, Patrick McDowell. The designer who created the brand five years ago has since then focused on making made-to-order pieces with sustainable sourcing. According to the British Fashion Council, the UK womenswear and menswear sales reached 47.5 billion last year. Burberry, Simone Rocha, and Preen, which is coming back after a hiatus to the runway, are all going to be on the schedule. And with their show coming up on Saturday on the London Fashion Week schedule, which celebrates 40 years this year, I'm interested in hearing Patrick's thoughts on the new collection, how London Fashion Week has evolved, and the brand's new business model, which is focused on tailored customer experience and circularity. And here's my conversation with Patrick McDowell. Well, thank you, Patrick, for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, how are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. We're days away from the show now, so it's it's all go, but very exciting.
0: Brilliant. And I know that obviously with the show coming up, you know, what can viewers globally expect from the show? I know that you've had some really interesting um, tailoring elements that you've included in past collections. Um, what is it going to be this time around?
1: Yeah, so this collection is very exciting. We've partnered with the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London and created a collection based around an orchestra. And so very conceptual in that sense. We've reimagined many things from past costumes to um, instruments even. Um, but we've we've always tried to sh- stay true to our kind of strong silhouettes and um, an interesting use of print and and as you said, tailoring always takes a a very uh, prominent place, especially in our winter collections. So yeah, it's a very exciting, multifaceted production. <laughs>
0: Definitely. And production in a big way, since you're collaborating with the music kind of element. I know that you're also um, having students kind of do some of the set production um, for the show itself. Why did you decide to do that? I know that, you know, so many designers are wanting to give back. Um, you know, I'm guessing it's nice to actually be able to do that on on the runway as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, when I started the brand, Creative Education was one of our founding pillars to kind of support it and, and nurture it. Um, and I think collaboration can be incredible when it's done properly and when you really work with with the person you're collaborating with in a very deep way, it enables you to really get the the most out of each each person and um, mm-hmm. and so it made sense for me to then collaborate with the school fully and to incorporate all of the different types of students they have within the show and so we've really done that from the performers, you know, the, the the opera singers, the instrumentalists, the the drama students, all the way through to light, sound, set, broadcast, <laughs> um, and even you know woodwork and metalwork that are, are going into some of these clothes as well. So I I just think it's so important that as a designer, if you're collaborating with someone, that you really look at who it is you're working with and think how can we how can we showcase this in the best way that's something fashion does really well because it often wraps things up in a really beautiful way and puts a nice bow on it but sometimes we forget to involve everyone in that process so that's what we've hoped to do over the past six months
0: definitely and you know I've, I've talked to a lot of designers so far at New York Fashion Week and there's been you know a lot of talks around kind of the costs of doing a fashion show is it worth doing a fashion show what's what's your take on that because obviously it's so different in London
1: yeah I mean there's no bones about the fact that a show is incredibly expensive um, it's a lot of mental capacity and, and financial input as well but um, I do think they are such an incredible way to showcase the work of a fashion brand, and and in our case, showcase these incredible collaborations with institutions. You know, our, our previous collection was with Romba, the dance company, and and it really started this blueprint for us of of working with people and and creating something much bigger together.
0: And then I, I know that obviously in terms of the the collection itself, you know, there's some so many kind of interesting components to it. And, you know, this year is the 40th anniversary of London Fashion Week. Is there anything that you're doing that is kind of specific to this anniversary?
1: No, we're not we're not doing anything super specific to the to the anniversary, but um as a student at Central St Martin's, I received a scholarship from the British Fashion Council and I've continued to showcase my work, whether it's through a showroom or through um shows or on schedule as a designer um with the BFC. So um as someone who benefited from the many initiatives that they have, it it's it's incredible to see them celebrate that um that milestone and, and to be a part of it as, as a designer. At London Fashion Week this year.
0: Definitely and I know that I'm not sure if this has in any way touched your world but there's been a lot of talk around quiet luxury as a trend and I know that you know your your brand is made to order essentially so for me I feel like that's the kind of ultimate quiet luxury that there is. Um, and London has got such a kind of strong tailoring history with with Savile Row. Did that kind of influence how you're kind of structuring that business model around this made to order aspect?
1: I mean, I think quiet luxury is, is, a, is a trend. Um, I, I think true luxury is about making pieces that are made for people and that they can keep for their lifetime and possibly the lifetime of of generations after them and that's really Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do here at Patrick McDowell so I I think it's um you know for me I've always been interested in creating pieces that are special and that tell stories and that work for our clients and so um, that's what we're doing, and our, our shows are a, are a very creative expression of a very narrative-led way of thinking, and and they really showcase that creativity in an amazing way. But at the core of that is great clothes. When you take the pieces apart, they're kind of really lovely pieces that you can put on as your wardrobe, or you know mix in um with each other and, and create full full Patrick Modell looks, even. But really. It's always been so important for me to create pieces in this way, which is made to order and limited edition. So we know that we're, we're kind of making things that work for people, that fit them properly, that they can keep forever and that they can bring back to us to rework them when they're no longer working for their bodies or their daughter's stolen them and they need them to be refitted for her. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love that. I think that passing down fashion history is one of the like best ways to show that love Um, for fashion. I've got a lot of items that have been passed down from, I think from my grandmother even. Um, So really interested in that side of things. And I know that you've got a kind of uh, a newer take on on your business model this season. You know, you've got limited quantities that will be shown um, on the catwalk and kind of people will know exactly how many pieces are going to be made. Tell me a little bit more about that and kind of how that um, interweaves with circularity and kind of your journey there.
1: Yeah, I mean, from the beginning, you know, we've always created things in a way that is very limited, because the fabric might be, you know, the most amazing vintage silk, or it might mm. have been remade from, from previous garment. Um, and so we've kind of formalize that a bit more now so everything is available in a limited quantity between one and 30 and you know it it just means that these pieces pieces are very special and it means that um, when you reserve your edition you get Mm -hmm. your one of five say and it's numbered and it's named for you and we know which one you have. And so we can, um, you know, provide you with that aftercare when you need it. Um, And it it speaks what we're building here as as a sustainable luxury brand. You know, we want people to feel like the things they have are very special because they are, you know, they're, they're crafted from the best material in the world. They're made by incredible female artisans in London. And so this isn't something that there is even hundreds or thousands of. This is something that is incredibly special. And often there is, you know, very few of them in the world. And so, um, you know, we just want to really do things in a different way.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I know that production in London is difficult. Most of the kind of manufacturing centers um, closed down. I, I know that some have kind of reopened to cater to, you know, smaller brands that are focusing on on having local production. You know, what has that been like um, for you in terms of finding these people, you know, showcasing their work? You know, artisan making in, in London is, is such a kind of unique um, way of positioning the brand as well.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's always uh, a lifetime pursuit building a great network, right? And and a fashion brand is really nothing without the people that make the clothes, because mm. you know it is really the most crucial part of of all of this. Really, is is who puts puts them together for us? And I think you know it's been great because we're not inside any other business models which are quite time consuming. We've been able to to build something over time and build that network. And because we're working in really small units, mm. um, it just enables us to, to have that kind of luxury of, of working with great people and, and having the connection with them and knowing kind of how their schedules look and, and doing things at the right time with the right people.
0: Yeah, definitely. That was another thing that I know kind of showed up in, in your show notes that you're not just doing these, um, these items are not just going to be created according to the client timeline, but also according to the artisan timeline and kind of what they're able to make within their particular scope. You know, why do you think that allowing, I guess, for, for that kind of very basic work-life balance, I guess, in production is such an important kind of facet of the industry right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you could argue that it, that's never been done before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's something I've always been very keen on, even in my own studio. You know, I have very strict um, working hours and I, I don't like it when people are there longer. In fact, I'm usually pushing people out the door at 5.30 <laughs> to, <laughs> to get them home. Um, purely because I, I want people to work well when they work for me, you know, I don't want Mm. them to, you know, I don't want productivity to fall. I don't want them to be bored. I don't want them to kind of get into that rut of knowing that they're going to be there all the time, every day. And I think when you're really strict around the hours that people work, it just means that people really show up and work for you when you need them to, because they know that they have that balance. And so it made sense to extend that to the production of our pieces as well and to to work with people when they have the time and and just do it in a way that means that the pieces are being made really beautifully because that's really the whole point of what we're doing you know we want we want these things to hang in in people's wardrobes and for them to love them for their whole life so for that to happen we need them to be made really well
0: Definitely. And that kind of level of tailoring really comes across in the catwalk shows, in the collections. You know, what is what can we expect, I guess, in terms of that that crafting and that tailoring from, from this collection? You mentioned some items kind of inspired by musical instruments. What will that look like kind of um in the show?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've we've really worked in many ways this time to try and incorporate the whole idea of an orchestra as a fashion collection. And so we have some amazing kind of like more traditional tailoring in jackets and waistcoats and skirts that has padding and in interesting ways, which is something I've always done. Kind of the idea of padded tailoring, mm-hmm. um, which is something that's usually done on a very small, intimate level inside jackets. We kind of increase it and do them in bigger, bigger ways. Um, and, you know, we've, we've done that we've created prints out of instruments we've also gone all the way through to to creating um pieces made from old or un- unusable instruments as well super conceptual oh, wow. and creative but um quite amazing pieces to have and always in that vein of kind of like breathing new life into things which is really exciting I think but um we've kind of grown our Dress offering as well this season, and you know, always quite structured and um, amazing kind of corsets. But again, all of these pieces are things that feel great on, so nothing kind of feels unbearable to wear. It's all um, all created with the mindset that you know people want to have a great time in these clothes, and to do that, they need to feel comfortable. So I was always, I don't know, someone asked me something recently about how I would explain the pieces and I I kind of feel like um, it's like glamorously comfortable I don't know if that's our version of um, quiet luxury but (laughs) (laughs) the the pieces all feel great to wear you know they're just nice things to put on and we really see that with people when they put them on that's when they kind of think ah this is this is it
0: definitely I remember the I think it was the chiffon capes that you had um, from a couple of seasons ago that I thought looked incredibly comfortable, but at the same time, very dramatic and kind of fashionable at the same time. So really interested in seeing what you have with the musical instruments. And tell me a little bit more about the the, the clients that you have, because obviously I know that, you know, one side of the, I guess, the business is what you're putting out um, to, to the press, to the media um, in terms of the catwalk collection. But the main part of the business is still, you know, private clients, work that you're doing, with people who are really appreciating um, fine tailoring.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I am very proud of the fact that we can create pieces that work for any body size and shape. Mm. And, um, And so our client base reflects that. But we're making things for people. And so, you know, that means that we're able to accommodate all types of bodies, which I think is is really amazing and um that's not something that fashion traditionally has done because it's quite standardized because of the fact that it's mass-produced um so so yeah it's a a privilege really to get to know all these different people and create things that work for them and also suit them because we're not we're not altering pre-made pieces to the right length for somebody we're we're recutting things so they fit you in the right places and suit you properly and that's that's that feels amazing you know for anyone you know no matter who you are it always feels great to wear something that just works properly for your body
0: we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with the rest of our conversation you know I know that you know your brand is um five years old. I think that the um a lot of brands on the London Fashion Week schedule are still doing very standardized sizing. You know, why do you think that it's such a hard thing to approach, I guess, from from other brands to actually extend that sizing, make it more inclusive? That's been you know a very big topic. I think this this season that um those sizing, um, models have been getting smaller rather than bigger which was supposedly <laughs> supposed to be progressing um last couple of years but it seems to have kind of shrunk back
1: yeah i mean i'm really proud we've been voted you know, one of the most like size inclusive collections at, in london one of the most size inclusive collections across all four fashion capitals by Vogue business twice now our, our last two seasons i, I think you know, it's, it's incredibly hard running a fashion brand financially. It's It often doesn't make sense on paper. And it's, it's a very unusual business because it's that very strange crossroads of creativity and commerce. Um, and so, you know, many designers are, are struggling. And, mm-hmm. um, and they're also inside a wholesale business model, which supports standardization and Every size that you make is a new product, essentially. And so it's an additional cost. And, and so it, it, it can become very expensive to do very big size ranges. But you, So then you could argue, why don't you step outside of that business model and just make the things people actually want to, to buy from you. And then suddenly you don't have any waste. You have more time to focus on the things that you're actually making. People will spend more on average with you because you make them things that actually fit them. And then they'll come back to you because you've created something that's like a proper relationship with them right they have that direct connection with you and they feel special because you made something that actually makes them look nice um and so that just felt clear from the beginning for me that that the current system didn't work for me mainly you know and so I decided right then that we weren't going to do it and we and we haven't and there has been many points where i've thought maybe we should but i've always stuck to that stuck to my guns on that one and i think it's paying off because it makes me happy at the end of the day you know that that's my favorite part of that connection with people that wear the clothes is why i do this because because I grew up and watched women put clothes on and and change how they were because they felt amazing in what they wore. And I always thought it would be incredible to be part of that feeling for someone. So, you know, that's that's what we do. The, The way we work enables me to do that in the most pure form. And that's quite amazing, I think.
0: Definitely. I think it's such a, a magical feeling to actually help someone feel better about themselves, especially, you know, with clothes. Um, I think a lot of the times people can get quite depressed with badly fitted clothes. So it's nice to see someone doing the opposite. <laughs> um, and then in terms of, I guess, the, um, the commercial elements of things, you know, I've, I've talked to a number of designers about, you know, how they're doing financially right now. Do you feel like you're in a stable place based on this model?
1: Yeah, I mean we could we could always grow a bit more, you know, but but the model we have is limited, right? We we limit the amount of pieces we can produce. Yeah. intentionally because I want to make up you think in a special way and so um I think the growth has been more steady perhaps than it could have been um but definitely more sustainable and I think what we've built is really strong foundations for a business that can continue for the coming decades and has already weathered many hurdles (laughs) financially and globally um, in its first five years. And, you know, many of those hurdles were weathered more easily because we weren't inside more difficult business models that were tricky for other people. So, you know, I am. I'm proud that we've taken things in a bit more of a steady way and built something different that will last in the future, rather than kind of going going into something that everyone else was doing, but that doesn't really work.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a very kind of unique sign when someone's going against the grain. Um, and you mentioned sustainability there, and kind of the materials aspect is so important to you. I know you've got a kind of long-standing collaboration with um, Tencel. You know, what do you think that? is the designer's role, I guess, in furthering the, the interest for these materials. I, I know that sustainability has been a big topic, maybe a slightly quieter one this season. Um, but in terms of material innovation, you know, designer support and especially on the runway is so important. Um, you know, how does that kind of show up and why do you kind of care about it with, within your collection?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the very first thing I ever made was a bag out of a pair of jeans when I was 13. And that ethos has really stayed with me the whole way through, um, mm-hmm. even though what we're doing now is is so much bigger than that bag. Um, but for me, sustainability has always been a really important built in fundamental part of, of who I am and what I wanted to do so much so that often in these kind of interviews I forget to even talk about it because we're just doing it every day. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's really a, it's it's a massive mixture of things. We work with some fabric innovation, we work with some incredible materials that are really old. We work with some family led like heritage mills in Italy. And then we make everything in London mm. to order and that's the main, the main difference really is that we don't have overproduction and we don't, you know, we avoid polyester and we, you know, we just, we just create in the most sustainable way we can. And and I really hope that I will keep look, looking back on the things that I did in the past and thinking, oh, we probably could have done a bit better there. We know so much more now. And it's, and um, and I do that now, to be honest. Like I can look at the first collection I did and think, oh, there's probably other ways we could have done that mm. to have, you know, been a bit better. And I just think always trying to wrap that up through a really beautiful lens and creating things that people love. Um, you know, is is just part of a luxury brand, really, for me. It's about making making sure the pieces are a bit kinder to the people that make them and the planet that they came from. And, and then the person wearing them surely feels even more amazing about themselves because it fits them properly, but they also know that, that it was made in a responsible way.
0: Definitely. And, you know, big, big question. Do you think that degrowth is kind of possible in the industry, considering, you know, how much of it is um, based on these models that you've, you've kind of removed yourself from?
1: Yeah, I mean, I always think it's, a, it's great to think about nature, right? If, if something continuously grew in nature, it would at one point explode or die, right? Mm. Because it can't, it can't it, it's, not, it's not in the laws of physics for things to eternally grow. It, it's yeah. not how this world is built, and so I think it's really important to ask yourself at what point are you actually happy with the size of your business? And and at what point do you stay there or mm-hmm. become smaller or become larger? Or at what point do you start to change how you value the business? And is it that at a certain point what you're giving back to your community through education or s- supporting charities or you know, supporting the next generation of talent for your business, at what point mm. do you start to value that more than the financial gains that you have? And I, I'm sure all of that, you know, is also coming apart from the fact that it just makes you feel more whole as a person. So I would I would really recommend it to, to <laughs> everyone.
0: Brilliant. I mean, definitely. I think that there's so much, um, so much to gain from that kind of degrowth movement, and I think a lot of businesses in the fashion industry are reconsidering, you know, where they're putting their efforts uh, and whether that financial growth for the sake of growth is is really worthwhile. And, and I think like the the final kind of element I wanted to ask you because I, I know that you know you're you're a quiet brand. I would say on the most part, you know, you don't necessarily weigh into the whole kind of influencer market or celebrity but I do know that you dress Nicole Scherzinger and I was wondering you know in terms of how that kind of plays into how you're thinking about the brand um you know what does kind of celebrity mean for for a quieter brand like yours
1: you know I I think the clothes that we make are very glamorous and so they suit that lifestyle and we've had you know we've had moments in the past but they've always kind of Presented themselves in quite an organic way. Mm. I think it, on that occasion, you know, Nicole was in Sunset Boulevard in the West End, and she she'd had this kind of incredible career change from like pop star to West End star, um, and and was sensational on that stage. You yeah. know, that the whole production of that piece and and how she performed that role was really amazing and so it was a real privilege to dress her especially at the British Fashion Awards which you know the funds from those awards support the many scholarships and educational initiatives that the British Fashion Council have which I benefited from at university so you know it's always incredible to be back there myself and then to dress someone who you know had had this kind of big career change and and was just doing something so so wonderful I thought it It was just it was great for us and, and that's what we do you know we create pieces that make people feel stronger happier more confident and that's what we did for her on that carpet we you know gave her the the things she needed to go out there and be, be fabulous be the West End star she is so so yeah we you know we can do it very well when we need to, but that moment is equally as important as the person that buys a suit from us and wears it to a, a board meeting and has the same feeling actually when you walk through the door. So um yeah, it's it I think what we do lends itself quite well to celebrity dressing and we're always happy to do it, especially if the person in the clothes has a connection to the brand and has done something really wonderful, then mm. I'm you know it's a privilege for me to be able to trust them
0: yeah of course it's, it's nice what you said about them being kind of equally important to to you know a regular customer wearing it for for the boardroom I love that all right well I think that that is all of my questions Patrick thank you so much for for making the time Um, I know that you know interview formats can be a bit daunting Um, so really appreciate you coming onto the podcast
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and I can't wait for you all to see the show.
0: Thank you for listening to this special London Fashion Week episode of the Glossy Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share and give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, visit Glossy.co for more news and analysis on the fashion, beauty and wellness industries.